When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call them a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Where were you last night? You were so uptight. What did you do? Who did you see? Were you with someone who reminded you of me? Where were you last night? This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the Freewheeling Rob Kelly. And joining me to talk about Where Were You Last Night from the Traveling Wilburys Volume 3 is my pal, returning guest, Dr. Chris Lewis. Hi, Chris. Hey, Rob. How are you? And where were you last night? You can plead, plead the fifth if you need to. <laughs> I was I, like, it is the answer almost every night. I was recording a podcast. That's what I was doing. <laughs> so that's almost always the answer. Uh, well, thank you once again for coming back to the show. I, you know, I mean, as we talked about on your previous episode where we uh, discussed everything is broken, like you're yeah. not a diehard Dylan fan. And so I very much appreciate your generosity of coming back to the coming back to the show that's a pleasure well it was on that show that you reminded me because you said you know we did the the origin story and and uh, oh mercy was my first dylan album and then you reminded me that actually wilbury's volume one predated it so in fact that was my first dylan or, or at least dylan adjacent album so um, i thought coming back we could do a wilbury's song perfect and you haven't done one for a while so i thought it'd be good good choice absolutely Mixed and it, it was yeah absolutely yeah we haven't we've covered a a few songs from volume one, but not that much from volume three. We did, uh, I did like a ship, which is an outtake from that record. And mm. then we did, um, uh, if you belong to me a little while ago, but otherwise we haven't really covered the album too much. And there's some stuff to say about the, the recording of uh, this particular record. Uh, but I do want to ask you, Chris, like, did you, you bought volume one, right? And that was your introduction. Yeah. Did you, did you immediately go out? Like when volume three came out, was that like, Oh, I like that first one, or did you get that like kind of later on after it had kind of come and gone as a new release? Yeah, well, as a completist, I was waiting for volume two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no, I, I got it because I, I, had, I had volume one on vinyl, uh, which is, I, I'm not a big vinyl collector, but at the time I had a kind of one of those uh, stereos with a, a CD player and uh, tape deck and, a, and a, a record player and so I had it on vinyl and it was a while after I thought a, a long time after I got rid of the record player that I thought I love that album I should get that on CD <laughs> and it was in a box set with volume three so I, I picked it up quite a lot later but um, it's it's there's a lot that's different but there's a lot that is, that, that's the same I love the kind of um, you know I think the thing about a Wilbur's album is it's just fun it's, mm-hmm. it's just mates sitting around strumming guitars singing around you know the fact that they're all musical virtuosos to a man is neither here nor there they're just heaps and heaps of fun the Wilbur's albums and I think three has a slightly different flavor for lots of different reasons yeah um but it just is you know such a such a great album they're just kicking back they're not taking it too seriously and I think that really comes across in the music yeah completely um the knock on volume three generally is that it is you know woefully uh, not as good as the first record now of course the first record has roy orbison that's a huge mm. loss you know they didn't have roy mm. orbison and it's always you know sequels are always hard because of course you're trying to sort of capture the thing 
when on the first time around you weren't trying to capture the thing you just did the thing and then you know second time around you're you're kind of like now you're like well is this a wilbury song who's to say i mean if you go back and you listen to the first record tweeter and the monkey man is like a very serious song i mean in in yeah. a way it's also very comical but it's it sounds very serious when compared to the kind of the lightweight fluff in a good way of the other songs. And so you say, well, is that a Wilbury song? I mean, maybe not. Maybe it is. This, this album, obviously, as you said, has a, a very different sound. It's got a much more country feel. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, th- some of the context of this record was that this came during a very fertile period of Bob's songwriting. He had kind of gone the mid eighties. He was doing a lot of covers and, and was kind of searching around for a direction. Then he did the Wilbury's record then immediately went to do Oh Mercy then worked on this record, then went to do Under the Red Sky. So he essentially had four <laughs> Dylan albums in the space of three years, which is, yeah. that's a lot. That's a lot of output yeah. for someone yeah. uh, like him, who, as we know now, takes years and years in between records. Yeah, The original tapes of these songs uh, are what some people have called Bob Dylan and Friends, because he was so <laughs> dominant on almost all the songs. Yeah. And... After they, after Jeff Lynn and George Harrison, who were producing the record, brought the tapes back, they were sort of like, "This isn't really a Wilburys record. This is kind of again, it's just like Bob Dylan and his backup band." So they ended up doing a lot more post-production. Uh, the the, the lead-off track, "She's My Baby," originally was sung by Dylan entirely, and okay. then they went in and overdubbed. Uh, this guitar part and overdub the other Wilbury singing vocals. And there is an alternate take of the song. We'll talk about it, but that's, you can sort of hear it that, yeah, Jeff Lynn had a much heavier hand uh, in this record than he did on the first record. And again, your mileage may vary as to whether you like that or not. That said, there's a lot of fun stuff here on this album. Yeah, absolutely. I, I watched a little, um, I think it was on YouTube, a little documentary about the making of volume one. Yep. And one of the things that they said, were that the sort of limiting factor was that that was a period where Bob Dylan was only available for 10 yep. or 12 days. Yep. So maybe that's why his influence on volume one is not quite so much. It's more of a balance between the five of them. Yep. Whereas on this one, if he had more time to commit and had been producing quite so many songs, maybe that's why it f- has more of a Dylan feel as a Wilbury's album than volume one did. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I absolutely think that's, that's the case. And he was, again, he was heading into a, a particular sort of phrase of songwriting. And you'll, you'll notice that a lot on these records where he was stripping down the language under the red sky. A lot of people refer to it as like the nursery rhyme album because the rhymes are incredibly simple mm-hmm. and very, and then, you know, and then he was even, uh, of course he, you know, not too long after this, he went and did, the Good As I've Been to You record, which was the folk covers album where he sings Froggy Went a Courtin. Um, he covered <laughs> This Old Man for a Disney tribute album. So that was something definitely in his mind, that kind of yeah. stripping the language on. And this song in particular, it's, you know, the language is simplified to the point of, yeah. of almost abstraction. And it's sort of funny. If you Google the lyrics to this song and Google pulls them up for you, you know, you, you get that little thing on the right where it says, oh, you can listen to this on Spotify, on YouTube, Pandora. And then it says about artists, Traveling Wilburys, album, volume three, release 1990, genres, country music, okay, folk, sure, rock, uh-huh. yeah, children's music. This is actually <laughs> labeled as children's music. It's not okay. children, but there's something about <laughs> the rhyme schemes, I think, and the lines are so simple that I think to somebody yeah. 
maybe they do. It does come across a little yeah. bit as children's music. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, this is not musically or lyrically Bob's most complex no. song ever. I, I don't think we're going to be forensically dissecting the metaphor in <laughs> Where Were You Last Night? You know, yeah, Where Were You pretty... Last Week? Were You Up a Creek? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I can't do a Tara Zook on this, you know? <laughs> Well, only she could ever do that. But yeah, uh, uh, agreed, agreed. But I, but I chose it because it is just a lot of fun. You know, you read the 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 first verse out at the start, and it sounds ominous. Where were you last night? You were so uptight. What did you do? Who did you see? It sounds like so accusatory, and yet the music is bouncy and mm-hmm. jangly and fun, and it is a real earworm. I think if you go away and listen to this song once, you will be humming or whistling it all day because it's just so catchy yeah but dum but dum but dum but yeah it's good yeah, yeah yeah and it's it's such a contrast to the way the words could be interpreted to to pair it with this music which is really very upbeat there's the odd sort of little minor chord thrown in there for a bit of interest but it's genuine genuinely a fun song to listen to and there's always something about the, the grit that Dylan brings to his vocal performances that, uh, yeah, I think do give everything a slightly ominous tone to it. And the original take of this, or maybe maybe it's not the original, the, maybe the alternate take that, out, that is out there, um, the Wilburys are singing along on the chorus, and yeah. it's more them as a group. You get sort of Bob singing lead, and then you hear sort of Harrison and Petty and Lynn kind of singing it together. And then Harrison went back, and kind of overdubbed it and then literally took the lead on the other alternate verses, mm-hmm. which yeah. again, smooths it out because George Harris, Harrison, of course, had a very supple voice. But when you hear Bob saying, you know, where were you? You were so uptight. Who did you, you know, who did you say? Where, where were you last night? Were you up a creek? Did you stay up late pacing the floor? You got me worried. You ignore me more <laughs> and more. If you hear Bob singing those words, it does, as you say, it sounds very, scary it can be a little <laughs> yeah. bit when, when harrison sings it it just sounds more warm because of just the timber of his voice yeah 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 <laughs> so well I, the one bit of the lyrics i really kind of that, that i think does merit a little bit of looking at is the timing because it's where were you last night and then the next verse is where were you last week and then the last verse is where were you last year and you start going where were you last night is kind of you know jilted lover where were you last week strays into missing person inquiry territory? You know? <laughs> so they just play with the time frame of it. Very, you know, it's just changing one word, but it doesn't half change the meaning or the, the, the possible story behind those verses. And I really like that playing with time within this song. Mm-hmm. Right. And even though, again, we were just joking about that, you really can't plumb the lyrics uh, for that much depth going on here. That that verse that you quoted, the where were you last year? You sure as hell weren't here. Again, all the way, all the way Bob sings that you sure as hell weren't here. Uh, you weren't waiting where you said you sent someone in your place instead. Now, of course, if you, you know, you want to choose to take that literally, you say, well, what, what did this person not show? But no, it's this per- the, the guy who was singing this song is had enough kind of yeah. with this person. And this, yeah. this person that he's been in the relationship with has not been present. They've been literally there, but they've not been mentally or emotionally present for yeah. up to a year now. And this guy has finally yeah. had enough. Yeah. And that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, it's great. I've, I've moved on. I've yeah. moved on. Yeah. Yeah. 
I finally noticed that you really not, uh, you know, you really not, you haven't been there for me. And, yeah. and, and then the language you use again, it's very old timey kind of thing. You better stop. You're messing around. Your name has been going around from town to town. And just the way it's, it's making me sad, making me feel bad. Again, it's the language is stripped down so yeah. basic that again, it's almost kind of a gag that Bob Dylan, who is capable of writing these incredibly intricate, Versus is writing words that making me feel bad. It's about as basic yeah. as it gets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And actually, the last couplet of the thing is my favorite. It's getting to me, making me gloomy. I think that's ah, oh, great. Love it. That's uh, that's a terrific rhyme. <laughs> and on the alternate version, he sings something different. So obviously, again, he even, does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even again, even on something as simple as this, Bob cannot resist fiddling with the language. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He just has that kind of. But yeah, it is incredibly catchy. Uh, I mean, you know, they, I mean, these guys, all four of them were masters of the pop craft. And it's it's it, you could see they were almost sort of freed from having to deliver something that is worthy of an ex Beatle or worthy of Bob Dylan or yeah. Tom Petty or <laughs> Jeff Lynne in the case may be. You know, so it's I mean, the, the album is full. Of, I mean, they got seven, seven deadly sins, which is like a doo song. I mean, you've got the Wilbury twist, which is. I mean, good Lord, it's a novelty song for Pete's sakes. And you've got Bob Dylan and George Harrison singing novelty songs. That's a, you know, it's like <laughs> they clearly just were not taking any of this, this too terribly seriously. And it's so yeah. funny. I'm only going to mention this in the context of volume three, because I, I can't imagine a world where I'm going to devote an episode of this show to the Wilbury twist. I just can't really imagine that. Challenge accepted. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> so that'll be the last episode. But it, like, I remember getting to the Wilbury twist song right and bob has two lines in it and i remember thinking ah, I, I bet they really twisted his arm to do this one because <laughs> this is this is really twee this this song and then i don't know if you've ever seen the video for it but there is a video for the wilbury twist and okay there's a signal okay there's if there's an all there's a, a, a video version featuring all of these cameos like john candy's in it Millie Vanilli is in it, which is funny because it was right at the hand wow. of their, their, their infamy. Eric Idle is in it. And, of course, who does the liner notes for Volume 3? And, um, oh, I got something to mention about that, too. But, um, so, in the video, there's this sequence where the Wilburys are outside somebody's house. It's like a set they've made. And they're bugging them. They're, they're, they're like, they're, they're eavesdropping on the people inside the house. And you see the four of them, the, these four guys, again, these legendary guys, and they're out there. And Bob is the one pretending that he's got headphones on, like he's listening, like he's Gene Hackman in the conversation. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, he was into it. Like he was like, he went that far to be goofy. He obviously was into it. He didn't twist his arm. But, but yes, um, before I forget this, yes, Eric Idle. Uh, of course, if you read the liner notes to this record, uh, they feature a uh, supposedly a you know uh, an interpretation of Wilbury's music by a music professor, uh, and he's listed as uh, being a professor from Please Yourself, California. And the, the liner notes are this incredibly florid series of you know a bunch of musical falderall about you know inverting rhythms and all this stuff, and. The other day, actually a couple of weeks ago, I was rewatching the Ruddles documentary. Have you seen the Ruddles Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Brilliant, brilliant. Just holds up. So funny. And of course, Eric Idle, who was the main creative figure behind the Ruddles, plays 
a music professor in that documentary from Please Yourself, California. And I remember thinking, oh, that's funny. He used the same city for the Woolberry's liner notes. And so a couple of weeks ago, I added Eric Idle on Twitter and asked him. And I said, hey, okay. I was rewatching the Ruddles last night. Is the guy who did the, you know, just in the spirit of the joke, is uh-huh. the guy who wrote the liner notes for Wilbury's Volume 3 the same guy who appears in the Ruddles? And Eric Otto responded. And he goes, yes. <laughs> so, oh, my God. Fantastic. <laughs> so the Ruddles and the Wilburys are in one musical universe. So oh, my go. God. It's an elsewhere all over again, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I was so excited that I was talking to a Monty Python. Uh, just the fact that I got a response from from Eric friggin' Idol. And I love that he went <laughs> along with the spirit of it. And I just... I think wherever George Harrison is, wherever his spirit is, I think that would make him smile. Yeah. That, that the yeah. Ruddles and the Wilburys uh, all exist in the same <laughs> oral universe because I feel like that's something George would have really endorsed. Amazing. Oh, well, that, I mean, obviously, you know, George Harrison funded so much of the Monty Python projects yeah. that, uh, you know, it was, um, that was a, that's an inspired find, Rob. The name of that city, I just heard yourself, please yourself, California. I was like, wait, where have I heard that before? And then I dug out my old Woolbury <laughs> CD and looked at the liner notes and I thought, oh, there it is. That's, just, that's absolutely just fantastic. So overall as a record, we'll get back to the song in a second, but overall as a record, like, do you feel... How often do you go back to listen to the Wolverine CDs uh, at all, just in general? you pull it out every so often? Yeah, every so often. I think, like I say, I mean, I think they have, they're just really good fun. And I think it's, you know, I sort of said to you uh, uh, on Twitter, you know, maybe the Wilburys is the sort of gateway for some of us into, Di- into Dylan. I think, did you say that Wilburys was your first Dylan yes. record as well? Volume yeah, one. yeah. You know, it's, it's very accessible. And I think what I like about, them is that you can definitely hear all the component parts although they're they're singing Wilbury songs you can hear chords that sound like Jeff Lynne and ELO you can hear vocal harmonies that sound just like the Beatles and it's not very long and it's not very obvious but it's just hints and it's it it has the effect of making those songs feel familiar and and yeah I think that I think they're they're good albums. Like I say, it's, it's, it may not be their greatest work, but it's just such a lot of fun. And you can hear that exuberance and that sense of coming together and making music in every song. And I, I yeah, I like it for that reason. Yeah. I, I think part of the, the, the reason that, the, and as again, as I, as I've been doing the show now for five years, six years, a lot of people have said the Woolberries was their introduction. Mm. And part of it was that the, you know, Woolberries Volume 1 was a huge hit. I mean, it was a huge yeah. record. It sold. You know, and it's, it's radio friendly as well. And I think that there helps you go. enormously, doesn't it? It's not a nine minute epic. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but part of the, part of the thing is it's that, uh, you know, for, I think for a lot of laymen, uh, Bob Dylan comes across as, oh, it's so serious. You know, it's so heavy. Yeah. I don't really want to hear all that. You know, it, it feels, it becomes like it's, oh, it's a whole thing, you know? And I think a lot, and, you know, this is a quote that I've mentioned in several episodes. George Harrison said about Bob Dylan, everyone thinks he's so serious when he's really a joker. And you know, yeah. who, would, who would know better than one of his best friends, uh, George Harrison? But, and then something else the other day, I started listening to, um, going back and be listening to all the theme time radio hours where Bob mm-hmm. Dylan is the coolest music professor in the history of the universe. 
And it's, it's, he's delightful and he's engaging in wordplay and he's chuckling on the air about his own jokes and stuff. And he's incredibly charming. And that's an, that's a side to Bob Dylan that I think the average person doesn't understand because when they see him on television, he's always frowning. You know, he looks like he's miserable (laughs) wherever he is. He was getting a congressional medal of uh, freedom or whatever from Obama and he still looks like he's miserable. But the Wilburys, (laughs) the Wilburys record, is able to serve Bob Dylan up in a way, first of all, obviously he's very relaxed because yeah. he's with his buddies. I mean, he's with yeah. Tom Petty and he's with this guy that he idolizes and he's with George Harrison and stuff. But the, the first record is able to serve him up in a way that if you hear him and you, go, and you, and you can get past the voice, if, if the voice works for you, well, some people can't, mm-hmm. but if, you, if the voice doesn't become a problem, you get to hear a side of him that you probably would never think you would hear on one of his solo records. And so you're like, well, I like this record. And, oh, look, three or four songs are by Dylan. Those are pretty good. Maybe yeah. I'll try more. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's how it gets started. So, yeah, the Wilburys the is hook. a great intro for a lot of people to yeah. the guy's, you know, official music corpus. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, what do I know? I don't know Bob. And I, you know, only really started recently dipping into the albums. But the, the word I would use is trickster. You know, it's that mm-hmm. sort of slightly mischievous, slightly impish kind of humor that you kind of think, yeah, he puts on this, this veneer of being very grumpy and very serious, a bit <laughs> doer. But actually, there's a little spark of mischief in there as well. And I think that's what you hear in some of these songs. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, said, and specifically, you know, where were you last night, as you talked about? Like, it's, it, you, read, you read the lines and it opens up and it does sound so serious. Uh, it's you know we're so who did you go and where did you do who did you see but then again when you get to uh, I love that where were you last night you weren't around me when they found me where were you last night which just makes yeah. me laugh because it's like that's how uh, fall apart falling apart this guy has is that when they, you know when people find you that's not good that's not a good yeah. you're not in a good place where you're yeah. being found it's like yes. when they hear about somebody who's died and they're like yes. they didn't they weren't found for yeah. three days you're like oh my god what yes. happened to them <laughs> what's yeah. going on I was trapped under a wardrobe. Yeah, right. <laughs> just like, and, you know, again, you're not almost expecting this serious, gritty voice to sing such silly things. And then yeah. when you hear it, you're like, what? Did he just sing that? Is that, is that what he's going on? But as you said, it's incredibly catchy. Uh, yeah. that, that sort of descending line that the guitar, dun, 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 and it just repeats over and over again. And, of course, all these Wilbury songs are like three minutes, barely. Uh, they're all like 259, 302. Yeah. So they don't wear out their welcome. So, I mean, they're, and it, it leads off uh, back in the days of uh, album, vinyl albums, like you just talked about, and cassettes. Uh, this track leads off side two. And again, it's just incredibly catchy. Now, unsurprising, uh, this song has never been performed in concert. There were never, of course, there were never any Wilburys concerts. And Bob, uh, to date, has only ever sung one Wilbury song live, which was Congratulations. He sang it, I think, once or twice. Uh, in concert and that was it so these songs you know were given their outing on Wilbury's volume three and they're just that's it you know they're kind of in the rearview mirror at this point (laughs) they're their own thing they are yeah they are completely their own thing but yeah this this tune is really fun the the original what did you think of the original uh, again I keep calling it the original I don't know if it was the original the alternate what did you think of that alternate take yeah it's 
it's much more relaxed, isn't it? The sort of mm. timing of the lines is much more, uh, you know, they're, they're following that strict guitar rhythm much less closely. So yeah, it's, it all, it has a slightly lugubrious kind of feel, I guess, <laughs> to it. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't hugely different. Mm. Uh, but now you've said about the overdubbing and the, the sort of post production on it. Yeah, I can definitely hear where that was applied to the version we know best. Yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't an enormous difference, but it was, yeah. If you've listened to the original quite a lot, which is I've, what I've been doing over the last few days, <laughs> you do pick it up, but it, yeah, it was, it was good. It was nice. I, it was certainly a different take on it. Yeah. Uh, like I said, there, there are, I have alternate versions of some of the other songs. The, the version of she's my baby that Bob sings by himself is kind of weird to hear. Cause you're like, wow. Then they just went in and did it all themselves. And like, you know, they came in overdubbed <laughs> it later. Like it's very strange. And uh, there are two other Wilbury songs that uh, were released and were not put on these albums. There was one called Nobody's Child, which was released on a, um, a benefit album for Romanian orphans, uh, organized through a mm-hmm. charity organized by Olivia Harrison. And, uh, and, and I think it might have been Yoko Ono, too. I'm not exactly sure. But the Wilburys did a song called Nobody's Child, which is a cover. And that that's on there. And then on a uh, back when they used to do CD singles, imagine that oh, Chris CD single there flashback. Um, <laughs> they, I think it was, she's my baby was put out as a single and they put out, it came with another song and it was the Wilburys covering Del Shannon's runaway. Um, mostly sung oh, by, uh, yeah, mostly sung by Jeff Lynn. And it's, no, unsurprising. It's terrific. It's super fun. And it made me think, boy, did guys do a whole album of covers. If you guys just don't want to even oh. write anything, this was, this is, a, you barely hear um, Dylan and I. I think he's playing the harmonica. Uh, but uh, it's, it's a total blast. And it's like, I really wish they had decided, you know what? Let's not write more songs. Let's just sing some songs that we like. It would have been, oh my God, it would have been fantastic. That sounds amazing. I yeah. want to hear that now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is, it, and is it available anywhere else apart was, from obscure it, CD singles? It was put out on the Traveling Wilburys box set that came out. Um, okay. I would, I probably, I will, I will search it for. It. I bet it's available on YouTube at the very least. And the, the, the reason I even again I mentioned that is because it was, as I said, it was a cover of a Del Shannon song. And at that point, Tom Petty and Jeff Lynne were working with Del Shannon. I think they had actually produced okay. one, of his, one of his record. He had like like a comeback record or something, and they were working with him. And that made me think: Well, were they kind of like lining him up to be the new Roy Orbison? I don't mean that in you know that's such a kind of sure. reductive yeah, way, yeah. but you know they they had Roy, and then now all of a sudden they're kind of collaborating slash covering another guy of Roy Orbison's sort of vintage. And I wondered if that was where that was going. Now it turns out yeah. to be the case. But I, it made me, when I heard that, I thought, oh, maybe they're going to do more Wilbury records because they found a fifth guy or something. Yeah. But, of course, that, <laughs> that never actually happened. Um, and it was, you know, we talked about this uh, before we were recording, of course, is that if this was your idea, Chris, was that yeah. if Bob have ever decided to form another Wilburys band, which seems highly unlikely at this point, but, uh, you know, like, who would he get? And I have to say, it made me think of like, well, unfortunately, a lot of his contemporaries are, are no longer yeah. with us. Um, shall, I so- tell, shall I tell you where the, the idea came from? So I was watching oh, this documentary and what I had forgotten is how 
soon after the recording of volume one, it was that Roy Orbison died because yeah. they, they couldn't even shoot the video for um, the, 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 the for end of the line. Yep. And they just had a rocking chair with a guitar on it. And Beautiful. obviously Beautiful. touching. Uh, uh, and there was clips of interviews saying, look, Roy would have wanted us to go ahead with this. Um, and then of course we've lost, uh, George Harrison, and we've yeah. lost uh, Tom Petty. So it mm. kind of got me thinking, those guys were, you know, maybe 20, 25, 30 years off their their initial kind of burst of fame and musical creativity. So it got me thinking, if Bob wanted to sort of send the invites out, what are the artists of the last 20 to 30 years that he might invite? And I know it's capturing lightning in a bottle, because clearly a lot of the the reason that Wilbury's work is the friendship. But it was just made me think. So I, I, I did, I'm intrigued to, to hear what names you came up with. Well, again, again, in this you know fantasy universe where Bob is yeah. even doing that, and 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 as we know, the the, the Wilburys were really Harrison's project. I mean, he yeah. was the main driver of it. Bob, I think, was kind of okay. Yeah, I'll show up and do it. In fact, um, there was a photo on Twitter that I had somebody posted on Twitter, and I had never seen it before, and it's the first actual photo taken of the Wilburys. Like it's, it was, you uh-huh. know, it was, somebody was there at Dave, Dave, uh, I think Dave Stewart's house, I think I believe, yeah. or wherever, yeah. wherever they were doing it. And it's kind of like the first official and it's the, it's four of them. It's Roy, George, Tom and Jeff. And the reason Bob is not there is because he was in the middle of playing a pinball game and he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so that, you know, because of course he was, because of course he was Bob, Bob Dylan being Bob Dylan. Imagine him going, I got a free ball, you know, I mean, like whatever. Um, so like the, what my immediately, the name that came to mind, the first name was Keith Richards. Like he's known Keith okay. Richards. Uh, now, of course, Keith Richards is equally like 80 years old at this point, <laughs> but nevertheless, Bob is friends with, you know, He's friends uh-huh. with Keith Richards. I could see that. Um, I know he loves uh, Doug Som, played on uh, Love and Theft. I mean, he loves, he loves that kind of sound. So, I mean, I can picture Bob doing that kind of thing, of getting his old pa- getting those kinds of old yeah. pals. Um, okay. I could see. Now, in my fantasy world, he gets like John Mellencamp and Bruce Springsteen. Like, that's the band, <laughs> you know? I mean, again. That's the band you want. That, that's the band I want. That's, you know, I might as well just fly to the moon too. But nevertheless, those are the <laughs> names that I sort of pictured in my head. Okay. Okay. So I went, I went a generation younger because I okay. was thinking. Good idea. You, you know, want them to last it, more than a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not run out of cholesterol tablets on the way. Um, I, so I, I was thinking more, okay, this is a scary thought as well. You know, this, if, if volume one was recorded in 88, 89, that means that the, you know, the Beatles and Roy Orbison, they were kind of mid-60s. So that was kind of 25 years. And I thought, well, 25 years ago, oh, that's kind of 2000. And that doesn't feel that long ago. So I, that was a kind of scary thought in itself. But I was thinking about sort of artists of the 90s and the, the 2000s and who might musically gel with Bob rather than the kind of, uh, you know, being buddies. So okay. the, the names I came up with were um, Jack White, Oh, that uh, would be great. He likes Jack. They're buddy. Then they're buddies. So are they? that would that okay. Would, yep, yep. The the one that kind of I thought, well, George Harrison when the Beatles first came out, they were a bit of a boy band. So who is you know? But then kind of matured their sound. So um, John Mayer, I quite like. You know, Whoa, he was very oh sort of God. poppy, but he's quite <laughs> bluesy now. And I thought that might work quite well with Bob. Wow. 
And then I wanted a big voice, a really recognizable voice like Roy Orbison. And so I thought, well, who had a big voice that was very recognizable around the 90s? And I thought, Michael Stipe. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my, there we go. So it's very different. (laughs) I don't know how they would work with Bob, but hey, I think that's an interesting sound. That is a hell of a band. That is a hell. I'm, I'm glad I have a cover on my microphone because my brain just exploded all over it. Need to clean up. Uh, that I, fantasy, fantasy Wilbury competition. That you know, listeners can put their fantasy Wilburys in the comments. Got that? That's a great. Oh my god, that is a, okay. First of all, before I got it, I have to comment on what you just said. But before anyone yells at me, I realize I made a mistake. I meant to say I said Doug Som. I did not mean Doug Som because Doug Som passed away in 1999. I meant Augie Myers who is, uh, appears on Love and Theft. That's who I meant. I apologize. I didn't mean to get the names wrong. Anyway, your idea. I lo- Jack White is a great idea. Bob and Jack White are friends. Uh, I have a bootleg of uh, Bob Dylan singing a White Stripe song in concert. Okay. Ball and Biscuit. Cool. Uh, with Jack White next to him. Jack White has covered a lot of Bob Dylan songs. So that is a... And Jack White is a kind of George Harrison figure in that he produces a lot. He produces other people's records. Like, he's kind of got that fire yep, in him to true. produce a yep. lot of stuff. So that is a marvelous suggestion. I really like that idea. John Mayer, that one I'm not totally sold on. I think John Mayer, <laughs> I think John Mayer would just be too busy dating models to really bother or whatever. <laughs> but I, I, the, just the idea of those guys in the same room together is making me laugh just by just Bob Dylan, Michael Stein. Stick a pinball machine in yeah. there. You'll be yeah. fine. Oh my God. So <laughs> I, I, I think that is, I, yes, everyone go to the website, go to fireandwaterpodcast.com or on Twitter and leave comments what your fantasy Wolverine's lineup would be. Because as much as I like mine, I love, I want Bruce Springsteen and Bob in a band. I think your idea is a lot more interesting because it's, that's just very different. And I think anybody anybody of any musical taste if they heard that lineup you would say i gotta get that record what the hell does that sound like <laughs> you know <laughs> so but wasn't that the thing about the wilburys when it came out exactly you know, bob dylan and roy orbison i and a, and you a know, beetle what two, yeah two great tastes <laughs> do they taste great together they sure do sure do Absolutely. That's a mark. Yeah. That's great, Chris. You really, you really came to play, man. I really appreciate it. <laughs> That's a great, I mean, okay, how long did it take you to come up with that list? Was it, was that like you had like one or two and then they, then you filled it in later or they all kind of came to you sort of naturally? Um, uh, they, they, they came fairly quickly. I won't say I, you know, I won't say it all came fully forward, but I was kind of thinking of what, the what each of them brought i mean we haven't really talked about producer i haven't really thought about producers like mm. like jeff lynn but he's still with us so we can we can you know we can bring him in <laughs> um uh, <laughs> sorry jeff um <laughs> yeah no it was it was more thinking about what did what did each of the wilburys represent mm. at that period in time and and what would you know moving it on a generation who would come in that was kind of my that was my starting point that's good man i like it I like, now I want that. Now I want the Jack White, Bob Dylan band. Uh, you know, okay. I really want that. I think that's a terrific idea. So uh, <laughs> I don't, we have not talked about where were you last night for the last 20 minutes. And I'm fine with that. Oh. Uh, <laughs> because it's great. Said, there's just not a whole lot to say about it. It's a, it's a fun song and everybody should go and listen to it right now. Find it online and just have a ball and you'll be humming it all day. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Said it's on YouTube. You can go check it out. By the way, I should mention the Del Shannon cover is also on YouTube. So if you want to hear that, uh, just plug in Traveling Wilburys Runaway and you will hear it. It's a lot of fun. Cool. Um, well, Chris, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Uh, since you were on the show the last time, uh, I changed the question that I've been asking everybody. And the, the, the one I moved to now is um, what I've been asking is if you could go back, if you had a time machine and you could mm-hmm. go back and visit, uh, sit on the recording sessions of any album, Bob Dylan album, what would it be? Now, I know that's kind of a hard question for you because you're not that experienced <laughs> with a lot of the records. I'm going to assume that that would be, you know, uh, pertaining to what we just talked about, that would be one of the Wilburys records because why would you, how could you it- not want to watch that? It would be difficult to get more bang for your buck than volume one, wouldn't mm-hmm. it? I think, I think that would be amazing. But going back, oh mercy, I would love to see that relationship with Daniel Lanois developing as Ooh. it happens. Cause oh, I think boy. that would be to be a fly on that wall, boy. Oh, but boy. yeah, I think, I think, you know, if you're starstruck, Wilbur's is hard to beat, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. I, I will say, um, if you're ever interested uh, in, in, in learning some of the nitty gritty about Oh Mercy, uh, go mm-hmm. and read Bob Dylan's book Chronicles because he talks about what it was like recording uh, Oh Mercy with Daniel Lenoir. And it uh, sounded like it was a little tense sometimes. <laughs> so you might want to, you think you might find that kind of interesting because it was, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a heated creative relationship. Uh, I think that's a good way of putting it. So uh, yeah, absolutely. So anyway, Chris, thank you once again for coming on, coming on, man. No matter what show we do together, it is always a blast. We've done Pod Dylan uh, together, we've done Mashcast together, we've done Film and Water together. Whether we're talking about, again, Bob Dylan or Mash or obscure British uh, comedies. Uh, <laughs> um, it, is, it is always a delight to talk to you. So thank you once again for coming back to the show. Thanks, Rob. It's been a pleasure. Anytime. All right. So why don't you tell people where they can find you out on social media? Uh, Well, not so much now. The podcast I did, storymark.com, is kind of on hiatus at the moment because I think we just all run out of creative energy. So um, (laughs) probably on on here at some point. I uh, I think we're doing a mash at some point, aren't we? Yes. Fairly soon. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, you'll be back. Okay. Cool. Absolutely. Yeah. So check, uh, go, if you haven't listened to my Mashcast show, everybody, if you're a fan of that TV show, go over and check over Mashcast, which will be starting up season five very soon. And yes, Chris Lewis will be on there this season. He will be on, I make this promise. He will be on every season that he wants to be on. I will say that now. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> so I buy uh, some more DVDs. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so everybody, thanks so much for listening. Of course, you can find back episodes of the show on our website, findwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to Pod Dylan on any podcatcher of your choice. And if you want to support the Find Water Podcast Network, just go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast. And there you can unlock various rewards, one of which is to be name-checked on a show of your choice. So big thanks to Robert Ward, Steve Cronin, Max Hutzel, George Doherty, Joaquin Meckel, and Paul Ruther for their support of Pop Dylan. I very much appreciate it. So that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will see you later. Bye. Listen, look at very simply... Musicologically and ethnically, the the Ruttles were essentially empirical melanges of a rhythmically radical, yet verbally passe and temporarily transcended lyrical content, welded with historically innovative melodical material, uh, transposed and transmogrified by the uh, angst of the Rutland ethnic experience, which elevated them from essentially alpha exponents of, in essence, merely beta potential harmonic material, 
into the prime cultural exponents of Aeolian Cadenzic Cosmic Stanza form.